When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, everybody. This is the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week is this fantastic co-host I've had for, God, we've been doing this for a while. Four years. We've been doing this for four years. I'm having a moment. Sorry. Uh, Ann, Ann Stickney, say hi hi to people while I quietly freak out. It's been longer than, I mean, we've done this one, but then we had the other one. (laughs) Yeah, I was just thinking about this one. I I wasn't even We've been talking to each other for a a long time. (laughs) Probably close at this point. Getting we're heading towards eight years, I would think. Ooh. Between various sites. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't start out on the podcast. No, no, I wasn't even talking website, about that. We, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's but if you think about it this way, if we talk about this podcast in various iterations, if we go back to the very first podcast that was ever done there, that's we're talking twelve years. Jeez. Yeah. Because that was like two thousand seven. Okay. Well, now that we're all feeling our age, <laughs> how Let's are you talk doing? About, I'm going to talk real fast about this video game I've been playing because it's really cool, but it's not a Blizzard one. Which one is uh, I've it? been playing Pathfinder Kingmaker. Oh, okay. Uh, it's like, it is the old schooliest of old school um, RPGs. It's like a, if you played Baldur's Gate or uh, Icewind Dale back in the day, it's very much inspired by that kind of game. It's the isometric top-down party management game. And it uses the Pathfinder system, so it's basically D and D. It's very, it's very D and D adjacent. It's, it's, I mean, on paper, it doesn't do anything all that new. Like it does what a lot of other games do, but it's like really good at doing it. And it, it's, I think this game and the Pillars of Eternity games are the closest I've gotten to the way I felt when I first played Baldur's Gate Two back in the day, where I'm actually like sitting there just obsessing about every little thing I'm doing, and. That doesn't sound fun, but it actually is fun. It's it's the kind of fun where you, it, it's it's that interesting. We talked about this, I think, once where we talked about difficulty levels in games and how you should have a, a variety of them for different people. This is hard in a way that I can handle. It's not hard in the sense of okay, you have to hit a button at exactly the right moment because I'll be honest with my eyes the way they are. 
that's not easy, but this is very much along the idea of managing stuff, figuring out how to do what you want to do and setting the, the, the way the game responds to your satisfaction. Like, do you want it to be turn-based? You can make it turn-based. If you want it to not be turn-based, you can totally have it that way too. So there's like an so. active combat versus... Yeah, and you, okay. the thing is, is the, way, the way you can do turn-based in this game is basically just tell it pause after everybody's actions, and then it will just go character by character. Or you can just have it, you tell them, okay, do all this. It's very similar to the way that Dragon Age Origins was. And that you can have combat just happening around you with the characters oh, okay. doing stuff, or you can make it turn-based. And I, I really like that aspect of it. It's a good RPG. It's it's very much the old school isometric type. It's not like the the more um, I almost want to say naturalistic the way that they became after Dragon Age, the way that it's you know a character, the the Mass Effecty Dragon Agey Skyrimy approach. It's not that. It's very much the old school isometric stuff. So yeah. I'm I'm loving it, so that's what I've been doing this week is playing that. I've been um playing Final Fantasy VI still. I haven't Speaking beaten of old it yet. school. Yeah, I haven't beaten it yet. Um, I'm still going around, and I'm actually at the point where I could go beat the game if I wanted to, but um, I'm indulging my inner completionist and in making sure that everybody has everything. <laughs> Might as so well. Like, I mean, when you're so like yesterday, just you know. Offhand, I was playing the, uh, there's a Colosseum and you can bet weapons in the Colosseum. And if you win, then you win other weapons and things and you can get some really good stuff from there. So um, I was farming these trinket things. They're essentially trinkets. They're called relics that um, when you equip them, it reduces the cost of all magic spells to one, which is great, right? Because every single character that I have knows all of the spells because I did that. <laughs> so I'm sitting here playing through this Coliseum and my brother comes walking in and he's like, what are you doing? Because I'm just fighting the same two bosses over and over. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing this whole loop trick thing where you bet this one thing and then you bet another thing. And he's like, but you're killing them in one blow. I said, yeah, that's because I got a reflect ring on. And he's like, why are you doing this? <laughs> he just doesn't get it. <laughs> please don't please don't force me to to contemplate what I'm doing. <laughs> But yeah, get you it. know what I found out about that game? <laughs> what? You know how there's the big switch when like the world gets destroyed? Yeah, I, you I'm go sorry, from it's an old game, guys. The world of whatever to the world of ruin, yeah. The world of ruin part only happened because they were ahead of schedule on development. Really? And they were like, yeah, the game was going to end like the, the part that feels like an ending and then you go to the world of ruin. That was going to be the end. Wow. They're going to end it there. You just kill Kefka there and you'd be done. And they're like, but we're really ahead of schedule, and we've got all these people. Why don't we? Why don't we like take it further? Why don't we actually do this? And that's where the whole world of ruin part comes from is them them being ahead of schedule. It's yeah, like the one it, time it's like um, it feels kind of like Mass Effect and Mass Effect Two, because you know how you play through Mass Effect and it's like this entire complete game, and then Mass Effect Two is essentially you go around the galaxy finding your old companions and recruiting new people. Okay, so the world of ruin is that you just go around the world finding all your buddies and reuniting with them <laughs> until you fight the big bad. <laughs> that's weird. And I didn't know about that. It, yeah, I just found this out, and I was like, "Whoa!" I mean, that's like the first off. I've you know now it almost never hear about ahead, of schedule? ahead of schedule. What? Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. That's like that's like sorcery. What you're talking about there. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's just, that's cool in my opinion. We should probably cool. talk about Blizzard stuff, though. 
<laughs> just what we do on the show. So yeah, she she's she's right. She's got us. Uh, and to be fair, um, one of the things we should talk about is this kind of tidbit. I want to talk about this one first, just because it caught my interest. They were doing a, a rev- they did the 8.2 reveal last week, the uh, live stream. They did it after we recorded our show. 8.2 so is all over the place, you guys. It's awesome. Okay. Anyway. Um. Uh, Jeremy, you know Jeremy Fiesel, who's that goes by Muffinus on Twitter. Uh, he was the one doing the the reveal. And one of the things he was talking about was heritage armor, which oh, yeah. you know. Okay, so there's a bunch of stuff coming in 8.2, and obviously we're getting two new sets of heritage armor. There's going to be gnome and Torin this time around. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, the gnome armor, the quest for it is going to basically reveal what happened to the family of Sicko Thermoplug, the guy that blew up Nomergon. Uh, it's Ooh. About, yeah. It's about what what's going on with those people. What you know, if you're related to that guy, you know, the quests are involved involve that. So that's interesting. Um, the Torn ones involve trying to figure out why the spirits around Mulgore are really unhappy, but you can't do them until you've finished the, the, the next part of the war campaign. And that's because the next part of the war campaign reveals the fate of Bane Bloodhoof. And if you've been playing through eight point one point five, and you should be and you've gone through that part of the war campaign. And I, I would slap a spoiler warning on here, but it's been out for a while. Guys, if you haven't gone and done this quest, you should go do this quest. You could do it Alliance or Horde. There's a cinematic where Sylvanas confronts Bane, and then he's dragged off, and we don't know what happened to him. And in 8.2, we get to find, find out what out. happens to him. They they teased the picture of Bane in chains underneath Orgrimmar. So it turns out Sylvanas... Is finally doing what nobody else has done since Garage. She's using that huge space Garage dugout of in in Orgrimmar. She's making use of it. She's doing something down there, and Bane gets dragged down there. Which is really so. kind of funny to me because I was just wondering, mm, not more than a few weeks ago, huh? I wonder what's going on with that underground citadel. And you gotta I... admit, it's it's really weird that we haven't heard from it before now. So it's. I think it's a good it's real big. Part. I mean, there's a lot down there. So what's going on down there? Well, apparently that's where Bane is at. What I found interesting was they had um, in the whole presentation thing, they had a screenshot that was like continuation of the war campaign and it showed Bane chained up. Right. And to mm-hmm. me, it looked a lot like you've seen the cover for war crimes, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it reminded me of that. <laughs> I was like, because yep. Garrosh was all chained up. I'm like, oh, ooh, this is not great. Um, so yeah, you can't actually get the Torin Heritage armor until you've completed that part. I'm assuming because Bane's like going to be a part of that. It certainly looks like the armor is pretty close to what Bane normally wears. Quite frankly, well, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know how Bane's involved. I hope you know. I'll tell you right up front. If Bane dies in patch 8.2, I'm going to be extremely upset. I would be be very annoyed. Yeah. But, so we know that that's happening. We know that the gnomes are going to get a big chunk of lore before Mechagon. Even before before you even go to Mechagon, there's a big chunk of lore. And I find it interesting that the Thermoplug family is involved, because I'm wondering if that's going to be used as part of the bridge to Mechagon. Like, did they they run away to Mechagon? Like, what's, how is Mechagon related? What is it? Because that's one thing we don't really know yet. We don't know what Mechagon is or why it is. We know there's a King Mechagon there, but who is he? Who, who is this person? Why Why does he have his little place of crazy gnomes who like are replacing parts of their bodies with machines? What's the deal? So I'm I'm looking forward to that. That's that's What's so that's the deal with Mechagon. No, I know I sound like Jerry Seinfeld. Sorry. Nevertheless, you know, it's still it is something that I've been really curious about. There's 
there's a ton coming in 8.2 and the data mining is pretty thick and fast. I don't, we're not going to talk about all of it, but we should talk about some of it. Like, uh, let we, we mentioned it on the pre-show. So why don't you talk about the other, one of the other cool things about 8.2 that we, we've seen revealed through, uh, the, through the, uh, data mining. Oh, one of the, okay. So, um, Wowhead has been pulling out new models and everything. Uh, and there's been like a bunch of mounts, a bunch of other stuff. We talked about, if you haven't listened to the last latest lore watch, um, I believe it was released to RSS on Monday. So if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Cause we had like a pretty lengthy discussion towards the end of the podcast where we were talking about Thrall and we were talking about, um, how Jaina had had kind of, um, a resolution to everything that had been going on with her. And we'd been waiting forever for that to happen. And I mentioned that I was waiting for the same thing to happen to Thrall and that I hoped that we would see Thrall again at some point because I think that he deserves that kind of resolution. I think that he needs to like, what did we call it? Thrall's apology tour 2019 or something like that. Yeah. I, I, I've like, I've always said, I don't know that he needs to apologize for as much as some thing people do, but I definitely feel like he needs to deal with what he's done. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So one of the models that was data mined was a new model for Thrall, uh, where he's wearing something that looks a lot more like traditional frost wolf garb. Um, I'm very excited about this. I'm excited to see him again. I'm excited to see if he interacts with his, um, well, she's not his sister necessarily. It's weird. (laughs) Um, The leader of the Maghar, who is basically his female counterpart from the alternate universe, which... Yeah. World of Warcraft has gotten a little weird. Warlords made it real weird. But anyway, I'm, I'm curious to see if Thrall gets to interact with her at any point and talk to her or anything like that um i'm curious to see what his involvement is going to be i'm assuming that he's not going to be super happy about what sylvanas is doing because i mean this isn't the horde that he built so yeah yeah I'm, this is purely me speculating. I have nothing to back this up. I've read nothing about this. This is just me guessing. Um, but I bet you it's got to do with the war campaign and Bane. Because Thrall didn't step in and save Cairn. Not because no. he didn't know the fight was happening. Yeah. So I'm thinking there's no way he's going to let Bane die. Like, he would, I, it would be like a personal thing for him. It'd be, and, it, and I feel like Sourfang would go looking for him. Almost certainly it would make sense that Sorfang would get Thrall involved. Even if Thrall doesn't want to be Warchief and doesn't want to lead anymore. I still think that Sourfang would go, I think that Sourfang would go looking for him. And like when we last saw Sourfang, he was off by himself in the Swamp of Sorrows and we didn't know what he was going to do. He just left to go whatever. And I feel like he's probably out there trying to find people. I don't know. I don't know, but I feel like that well, he we would know be talking to Sarfang, Thrall. Yeah, absolutely. We know that Sarfang sent somebody to go find Nazgul. So we know that he's out there. He's getting the old, you know, the stalwarts of the old horn back, the ones that were Thrall's people. Uh, so, yeah, I think it would make sense if Thrall's there because somebody needs to go save Bane. And that's, but that's just me I guessing. Just, I, I, I just, I'm excited by the idea of Thrall coming back. Cause like I said, in the lore watch, and again, if you haven't listened to that lore watch, you might want to go give it a listen. Cause you know, it's us talking about lore a lot. And um, I, I think that Thrall needs some kind of resolution to his, st- like he can't just <laughs> leave and <laughs> leave all of that stuff open-ended it yeah, just doesn't feel time. very satisfying. And they gave 
they gave Illidan a satisfying story. They gave Jaina, she's got this satisfying story. They they need to do the same for Thrall. They need to like bring him in and do something with him. So well, I mean, they set it up. Like the last time we saw Thrall, he you know he killed his rival and angered the spirits and lost the elements. You know, patronage. What does he do now? Who who is he now? That the elements aren't talking to him, and he's not the war chief anymore. Who is Thrall underneath all of that? You know, it's it's time to get to see him come to terms with his actions and become who he's going to be for the next so many years. Uh, I you're right that Jane has finally gotten to do that for herself. And we we really should start to see Thrall do the same. That's that's my take on it. And speaking of Lorewatch, we have people who are talking about Sylvanas being Garrosh 2.0. We don't think that's the case. And. I don't. I think it was like a couple of lore watches ago. We actually talked about Sylvanas in depth and what's going on with her and what's going on with the Horde. And that's also worth a listen for people that are still like under that mindset because it's a different thing. There's a different thing happening here. Anyway, speaking of Sylvanas, though, uh, we should talk about Crucible of Storms going live. Yeah, um, Crucible that, that of happened. Storms, li- well, yeah. it's it's live. It's normal and heroic are live right now. Mythic yep. and LFR is coming out next week. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's happened. Uh, you know, woot. Um, if you're if you're not also to, to get in there, there's a quest line involving Zalatath, which at this point you you've probably already seen it because that was out last week. Yeah. No, if you... no, no tremendous spoilers, but there's a horde and alliance continuation at the end of the raid that kind of each each faction gets their own version that sort of emphasizes what's going on that kind of like puts a puts a pin in it like this this is going to be important going forward yeah um so that if you haven't done it already get out there and do that yeah um for the lfr version that's going to be coming out next week uh you're going to need to be eye level 350 which is it's the same eye level as battle of dazara lore i think yeah 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 i believe so it's the same eye level as that so if you've been doing dazara lore on lfr you'll be able to do crucible of storms there's only two bosses um, there's the Restless Cabal, and then there's Unat, and they are kind of complicated, but we'll see what LFR looks like. I mean, it's a short raid. It's just, it's a short raid. However, um, if you haven't done the quest line that leads up to it, I suggest you do. Just look for the world quest that says Naga Attack. There's a drop item that you'll get that'll start that storyline, and it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, but his favorite um, daggers coming back. There's one of the things too. I just wanted to point out is this raid's interesting because it does that thing that you used to do a lot more often. Um, they did it in Burning Crusade. They did it in a lot in Wrath of Lich King, where there's a side raid that isn't really tied to the raid you're currently doing, and it offers interesting side grade loot that fills a little bit of an itemization hole that the main raid has. Yeah. Uh, Crucible of Storms in particular does some really interesting stuff with itemization that you should take a look at. Yeah. Um, there's some... There's messed some up trinkets. Weird trinkets. And they're pretty cool. And yeah, that's available right now on Normal and Heroic. And if you don't have a raid group, hey, LFR is open next week. So we don't have to like wait forever. Um, also, it's not going to be released in like, you know, two weeks or anything. Like They're not there's only two bosses, yeah. so next week you'll be able to do all of it on LFR. Yeah, You're fine. It's not like when they did Antorus and it took them like almost a month to get it all out. Yeah. This is one and done. You're yeah. going to get yeah. it next week. So it's that's, just a little that, In my raid. opinion, that's cool. It's a little raid. 
Um, anyway, uh, as far as that goes, I, I want to just duck back to 8.2 real quick and ooh, point ooh, out. Yeah, go, go. You and, go and then I have something. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I want to duck back to 8.2 real quick and point out that um, Wowhead has been di diligently data mining all kinds of stuff. There's a bunch of new mount models. There's a bunch of new pet models. There's a bunch of armor models, weapons models, you name it. They're pulling it out of there. Um, so it's worth checking out if you're interested in seeing what's going to be on the plate for Nazdachar and Mechagon. Um, they also have story spoilers that have been data mined. Keep in mind with the story spoilers that these are all PTR things and they can be changed. Um, I always kind of like to, I don't know, as far as I go with the PTR stuff, with the story stuff on the PTR, to me, it's not final until it's live. So anything that's been data mined from the PTR, just take it with a grain of salt. That might not be the final version that you see when it's released in the game. Don't go crazy. Um, also, Tide Stallion mounts are amazing, and I want one immediately. Okay. Uh, speaking of mounts and data mining, mm -hmm. they still we still don't know where this mount comes from, but the more information has been found about the B mount. Apparently, the there's... Yeah, the the B mount's been around for a while. This isn't new to eight point two, but they, no. it still hasn't made it live. We still don't have the B mount. Yeah. Apparently, there's going to be some kind of reputation to grind with bees to get the B mount. I'm not. That's what? all. We don't. We don't know <laughs> what's with yet. We don't know what's going on yet. But like... B mount. The B mount might be coming. I am with so Milden Hall Meadery or just bees. Don't know. Just with bees, perhaps. We don't know. We don't know who we're grinding rep with to get the bee. But we do know that there's some new systems in place to grind rep to get the bee. Okay. And, and all I can say is if if, if the bee comes in eight point two, then eight point two is the best patch that's ever happened in World of Warcraft. Ever. Because the bee mount. My God, bees. Well, okay, I like bees. the bee mount, but there's also um, there's a crab mount that I'm really fond of because it actually walks sideways. Yeah, the crab mount's great. I'm not I'm not arguing against the crab mount. I'm very excited. This is one thing that we should talk about because we didn't get to talk about last week. One of the systems that they're putting in uh -huh. uh, is mount equipment. Yeah. And mount equipment is really interesting. Uh, you want to talk about it or you want me to do it? You, 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 you can you, go you, ahead. You, you can go ahead. Oh. All right, I'll talk. The the mount equipment thing basically it, it, it's it's sort of replacing. There's a, like right now we have two water walking mounts, and you have to use those mounts if you want to walk on water. Which if you don't if you can't fly in a zone, water walking is often really useful because any zone that's got large bodies of water in it, like for instance, let's let's use uh, Stormheim as an example. Water walking mounts are astonishingly useful in Stormheim. Uh, they allow you to get to I places mean, much Kulturis easier. even, because Kulturis is a yeah. set of islands. If you can walk across the water, you're doing great. It's the same oh, especially, thing with Zandalar, yeah. you know. What's what's the zone paralysis in Tiragard? Yeah, Tiragard Sound is yeah. huge for water walking. If you've got a water walking mount, Tiragard Sound. Uh, in 8.2, th those mounts are going to lose their ability to walk on water. They won't have it anymore. But you will still be able to walk on water on any mount you have. Uh, at level 100, you'll be able to unlock mount equipment. And once you've unlocked it, you can use mount equipment on your, like your, your level 20. can use it on his his or her mounts as well. It, but you basically spend 1,000 gold at level 20. Here's the current scheme. We don't know if it'll go live this way. But the current scheme is that you'll be able to basically pick one of several different mount equipment items and equip it on your mount. And then your mount could have water walking or it could be resistant to being dazed 
or what have you. There's a, there's a bunch of them you can there's get. There's one that equips your mount with a parachute, so when you jump off of a high place, you just you have a parachute. Yeah, which, you know, if you've ever mounted and run, ridden off a cliff only to realize, this is my wolf mount, oh no, uh, that's a useful one to have. Although I'm still, I'm going to be up front, I don't know that I'll ever not be using the water walking, just because it's so useful. And it, I'm so, I have hated, I have a thing about water bugs, I don't like them. I don't like things that look like them. I don't like riding around on a giant water bug, it makes me deeply uncomfortable. It's almost a phobic response, so for me, this is just ideal, this is a dream. I won't have to do that anymore. See, I like uh, the water bug, but for people who are kind of, um, there are people who are upset because they're removing water walking from the bug mount. Here's the thing, guys. If you've already unlocked and gotten all the angler's reputation and everything to get the water walking mount, you're going to get the mount equipment item. It will be sent to you. Like, you'll have yeah, it automatically. Free. You're not losing anything. All you're getting is that thing that functionality as a freebie because you already have the water walking mount so instead of just choosing one mount to walk across the water you can choose any of your mounts to walk across the water now as far as i'm concerned i do like this and i will probably equip that almost immediately but i can tell you that as soon as i unlock flying which is also coming in 8.2 i will probably put the parachute functionality on my mounts or something <laughs> yeah once you once you can fly yeah you don't need water walking anymore no no and, you and don't. flight flight is coming and we should point out that from right now the data mining right now is that flight will be relatively easy to get. Um, yeah, it just requires work. reputation. It, it just requires reputation with um, the new factions that are in, I think, Nazjatar and Mechagon. But, mm-hmm. like, I mean, we're going to be questing there anyway. It's a new zone. It's like gaining reputation with, um, oh my gosh, what was it up on Argus? Arg- Argusian Reach? Yeah, Argusian Reach and the, uh, I forget the other two. But there the was, Light like, there was one. Yeah. Or Army of the Light. That's what it was. Anyway, yeah, it it's going to be like... Light. Argosian region, one other. But I it's it's going to be like gaining rep with those guys where you're going to be doing quests out there. You're going to be doing all kinds of stuff. It's not going to be too hard to do. And you're not going to have to jump through any other hoops that I'm aware of as long as you've got like part one, Pathfinder part one. Pathfinder part two isn't going to be unreasonably difficult to grab. If you If you unlocked Pathfinder part two in Legion... It's going to be along those lines. I mean, it didn't take long to unlock Pathfinder Part 2 when that came out. And we should point out that unlike in Legion, uh, Flight will work in Nazjatar and Mechagon as soon as you get it. Yeah. You, there's, you'll, you'll be able to fly in those zones. So it's much more like Hellfire, Hellfire was in, uh, in Warlords, where, where as soon as you get flying, you can use it even there. You'll be able to fly in, the, in these zones. So... If you're, you know, it's not going to be one of those things where you get it and then you immediately don't use it because you're constantly in the new content where you can't use it, you'll be using it there too. Yep, pretty much, which I think is kind of nice because I loved Argus, but it was kind of annoying that it was like, now I can fly everywhere except Argus, which is the brand new place. Uh. (laughs) But yeah, Nazachar, I'm looking forward to seeing what that's all about. Um, We're going to have... Nazjatar is basically Queen Ashara's empire. Um, it also includes Ashara's Eternal Palace, which is going to be the next raid tier. Uh, it's not going to be immediately available. It will be coming with 8.2, but we have to play through the full story to get to it. So that's going to be 
a ball of fun. And that's a full-size raid with eight bosses, including one underwater boss. I don't know how that's going to work, guys, but I guess we'll find out. <laughs> and that one, when it does come out on LFR, expect that to be split up into several wings because there are, you know, eight bosses there. Yeah, probably at least at least three, I would yeah. expect. Probably. Well, with eight bosses, you're looking at, like, you can easily break it up into four, three, and then Ashara. Yeah. Something which they like usually that. do. Yeah. But also Mechagon, when, when Mechagon comes out, Mechagon doesn't have a raid, but what it has is, is a, what they used to, what they've started calling Mega Dungeons. Like after Karazhan. the Legion one. Yeah, if yeah. Karazhan and Legion started off as a Mega Dungeon, that's what Mechagon will have a similar one. It's an, I believe it's an eight boss as well. It's a it's a large yeah it's dungeon. an eight bot it's an eight boss um, mega dun- dungeon um, we go to take down a death robot you enter through a trash compactor uh, there's a bunch of strange loot including this really interesting trinket that you get through questing that you can upgrade through other quests and from dungeon runs you can customize it by mixing and matching different punch card sockets that you can pick up and those have different effects. It's a weird concept, but I think it's kind of cool, particularly the punch card aspect, because it just, it gives me flashbacks to Nomergon. So, you know, with the punch yeah, card like the, and the, yeah. yeah. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> okay. We should probably move on, because there are other I, games with other stuff that is out. I was actually just going to say, um, Overwatch's Storm Rising event has just gone live today, as we're recording this. If you're listening to us live, it's I thought it's it was happening up yesterday. Right it was oh, like yesterday. Oh, no, you're right. It was yesterday. It yeah. was yesterday. I'm sorry. No, yeah, because I opened my loot box. I didn't get anything from it, but I opened my loot box. By the way, if you're unaware, every time they come out with a new event, they give everybody a free loot box. So make sure that you log in to Overwatch and claim your free loot box. Um, there's a bunch of new skins that are available. Yep. There is uh, a new there's... event that is available. Well, that's the. let's talk about the events because they, they're they bringing back the previous ones. This is the Overwatch Archive stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's they all brought Overwatch back, they brought back all the, they brought back, uh, which ones did they bring back? Both of them? Uprising and Retribution. So yeah, and now yeah. this one, what's this one called? Storm Rising. Is it just called Storm Rising? So, mm-hmm. okay. So now we've got three of these, the the Overwatch Archives event, and now has three events for, and assuming, we can assume next year when it comes out again, they'll have a fourth one. So that's pretty amazing. Um, I, I I was looking at the skins, and I'm I'm sorry. The the one where Ash throws a purse full of explosives at you, it's like, oh yeah. I, I didn't know I didn't know we needed this skin until they made it. <laughs> Socialite Ash, I love it. I think she looks fantastic, and I love her hair is actually significantly better. I, I I like her normal hairstyle, but I like the hairstyle in this one too. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I, I love Bob's suit too. I think that that's fantastic. Um. As far as Storm Rising itself, you can play through the event, and I recommend playing through the event because the storyline with it is really interesting. Obviously, we get our first glimpse of Sojourn, who she has her own voice actress and everything. She's not a new hero. She just pops up here, but she's been seen before several times, all the way back in the original Recall animated short. She was part of... She was one of those many, many, many characters that kind of flicked through at the end when Winston was sending out the recall order. Um, I I don't know if they're going to make her a hero or not. I hope that they do because she sounds fantastic. Uh, in this aspect, though, she's sending everybody to go confront. Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember his name, but he is uh, one of the Omnics that's Maximilian. Maximilian, yes, he's one of the Omnics who's uh, affiliated with Talon. Um, so they're trying to get a hold of him to get a hold of Talon. 
and if you haven't played through the event you need to play through the event because the ending cinematic is something to see and <laughs> like the last couple of seconds all of a sudden it's like wait is this another new hero who is this guy and um there's 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 a lot of implications there that's all i'm gonna say about it i don't want to spoil anything but yeah if you're interested in overwatch's story go play through the event it's super fun there's a lot there's a lot to it anyway i'm gonna leave it there <laughs> okay well then that's probably pretty much all we need to talk about right now we can move on to some emails yeah uh, if you've got an email for the show, please send it to podcast at Blizzard Watch with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show um, and read some for us. So take it away. You know what? The second email here is actually relevant to what we were just discussing. So why not? discuss it. Okay. Uh, this is from Yognot, who's an undead death knight who says, hello, a little while ago you were discussing if Thrall would ever return to the WoW story. I don't see him returning to be Warchief, but I think he could return to remove Sylvanas from Warchief. If he did, who do you think he would help overtake as Warchief and do you think he would stick around in the Horde afterwards? We did discuss this in Lorewatch as well, but I mean, it's worth talking about again, because again, the model was data mined. I mean, the model is there. So whether or not we're going to see him return to the Horde is big up in the air, but we're seeing him come back because they wouldn't release a model without doing anything with the model. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, they wouldn't just update Thrall's old model when you don't really see Thrall very often in the game. And what Rossi was saying as far as him helping out Bane, yeah, that does make sense because a lot of Thrall's conflict... Um, you mentioned in Lorewatch that uh, during the whole Elemental Bonds thing, one of the things that he was really upset about was the death of Karen. And that was something that affected him a lot because Karen was like his buddy and it was kind of his fault that Karen isn't here anymore in a way, indirectly. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like he would feel some kind of responsibility towards Karen's son and making sure that Bane is okay and that he doesn't fail Bane the same way that he feels like he has failed Karen. Because he does feel like he failed Karen um, on, on some level or another. Whether or not he would stick around in the Horde, I don't know. I don't think that he would step up to be Warchief again. I think he's too far removed from that. But I could see him sticking around in some kind of advisory capacity and I don't know who he would help overtake his war chief honestly Saurfang is older than he is by like a substantial margin yeah Saurfang is is slightly older than his parents were mm -hmm. Saurfang yeah. is yeah. not a young orc <laughs> no he is a very old orc so like the the possibility of him taking over I mean could it happen? Yeah. Would he be interested in doing it? I don't think so. He's been around for so long, you guys. <laughs> like, both Sarfang is old horde, old horde. <laughs> you know? Sarfang becoming war chief is definitely a situation where he would do it if he felt nobody else could do it yeah. or would do it. But he definitely feels like he's sliding in there as a caretaker. Like, it's, it's, if he becomes war chief, he's almost immediately going to be looking for somebody to replace him. Because... It's not going to last forever. Although it seems like Death laughs at Sarfang and won't take him just as, to punish him. So who knows? Maybe he'd end up being Warchief for like 30 years. Uh, but I think to a certain degree, that's the same situation with Thrall. I could see Thrall becoming Warchief again. I could. I don't really? think he wants. I don't think he wants the job. 
I absolutely don't think he wants the job, but I could see a situation where him and Sarfang are both like, someone has to do it, you know? But I think I said somewhere on, on a, a lore watch that I, uh, my, my dream scenario is Bane takes the job and then abolishes it, gets rid of the war chief position, makes the horde uh, one where the, the faction leaders lead in a council. And it's much more of a group of equals. I could see that happening. I'd, I'd be down for that. I, I could see Thrall supporting that. Or like, yeah, the time of the war chief is over. We need to, we, we need to pull together as a, uh, as my friend Vulcan said before his untimely death, the horde is a family. Families don't have a ch- a chief. They don't have somebody who you know leads from that in that. You way. know, when you mentioned the whole as equals thing, I go back to Talanji and I'm like, yeah, Talanji would be on board with something like that because she's already telling Sylvanas, "We will ally with you, but as equals." Yeah, so I could see that could be the kind of thing where I could see Thrall coming in, supporting Bane, and Bane making that reform. That would be my. If I were writing it, that's where I'd go with it. But I mean, there's other things they could do. Uh, you could get you could get some really nice storytelling out of an, uh, an old Sarfang now suddenly having to be the one to send people off to die, like having to be the war chief. Like imagine how that would feel to him because the war chief doesn't go out and fight unless they you know they absolutely have to. Like the the, the war chief would you know when the war chief shows up to fight, it's because it's a major battle. Like Sarfang's not really suited to that position. He's a he is a war leader but he's much better as the guy who leads your squad. You know what I mean? Plus, let's face it, the war chief position um, hasn't exactly worked out for the last few people that have it's taken been a, that role. It's been a rotating door for a while now. It's, <laughs> like, <laughs> if I'm a, you're a Horde player who objects to this. I, I know there's a lot of Horde players who do, and I get you. I get why you say this. It is it is really felt like it's the, the, the was it the Professor of the Dark Arts uh from Potty, defense Potter. of the dark arts yeah yeah defense of the dark arts position where you just yeah yeah oh great i'm war chief now i'm gonna be like how long it's it's not a surprise that sylvanas feels like she's kind of maneuvering to get out of the job <laughs> like oh man i don't want to be doing this so i don't know i don't i could see thrall coming back to do it but i don't necessarily think that that's the best use of him i definitely think he should stick around to the horde i think the horde needs him um i think the horde needs somebody who can say, look, we don't have to like the Alliance, but constantly fighting with them isn't helping us. It's not doing anything for us. What 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 benefits us? Let's let's look for that. So, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for the question. Uh, next email is from Verdigree Undead Frostmage, who says, Hello, this is once again Verdigree. The Alliance and Horde are currently working to conquer entire continents, and the Blood Elves have the last Horde capital on the Eastern Kingdoms. It seems strange that the Alliance now with many priests in leadership who are mostly worshippers of the light, would attack the Blood Elves who are sustained by the Sunwell, but it seems inevitable. Will this tear the Alliance apart? What do you, you think? want a succinct answer? No. No, it wouldn't. Uh, the Blood Elves, they have been isolationists. When they were the High Elves, they were isolationists for decades. They they barely came to the aid of the Alliance in the this, you know Second War. And then they basically were like, well, fine, but then that, that's the one favor we owed you. That's done. If we, we'll help you, but then you wipe out the favor. Um, for all that, they got really badly mistreated in the Third War by Garethos. That's absolutely true, and they have every reason to be angry about it. It couldn't have been a surprise to them because they were very much standoffish and only helped to the limit of, it, of their obligation and weren't really good allies. This is just the, the history it's just what they were so if the alliance t- decided we're you know we're pushing the horde out it's because you know 
right now, if you if you go to the Warfront, uh, Stromgard Warfront, it, you know, Lady the Adrons, one of the big leaders. The Blood Elves are the ones who are fighting to keep Stromgard. They're fighting to to keep uh, Arathi. You have to deal with them. You could, and I could see the Alliance going, okay, we've we've now successfully conquered, you know, Arathi. We, we we now have only one threat on this continent, and it's the Blood Elves. You're gonna have to leave or surrender. Like you you know, you can surrender right now, and we'll take control of your area, and you can live here as in, in an occupied territory, or you can leave. And if they choose not to do either of those things, I don't see why the Alliance would be torn apart. I mean, Anduin would be torn up by it, but he is not the only priest in the Alliance, and plenty of priests in the Alliance are perfectly okay with like killing Horde. They, they don't have a problem with it. Just like there's plenty of horde priests, like the blood elves, you just mentioned the blood elves, the blood elves are fighting right now in Arathi. Lady, the Adrian, who's a paladin straight up use invokes the Holy light to kill other paladins. Like she and, Oh, oh bloody heck. I can't remember his name. And that's amazing because he's one of the most Turalian. She and Turalian go, you know, they have dialogue lines where they're snarking back and forth at each other over who's a real paladin. The Holy Light does not keep you from fighting other wielders of the Holy Light. So, yeah, I don't see this tearing apart the Alliance in the slightest. Can I just, um, can we put a pin on that and, and sidetrack for just a second? Because I'm, I'm going to point out some stuff here that's just like, it strikes me as odd. Um, you've played through the Maghar scenario, the intro scenario, and there's that whole thing going on where they're talking about, Oh, the light wants to take us over, da 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 da, da and you're all's running this campaign of da da da, da and all of that. You you've played through that, yes? Yep. So there's this implication there that maybe the light is just as aggressive as the void in some ways. I find it interesting that nobody has taken a look at the Sunwell, not since Burning Crusade, when Velen came in and said, Hi, I'm gonna dunk a heart of a Naru in, in this font of water and poof it's alive again only it's suffused with the holy light and yay you guys can all be paladins without having to enslave anaru and isn't that great isn't that fantastic aren't you guys jazzed about that and everybody was like yeah we're super jazzed about that that's fantastic it's great and now the blood elves are physiologically changing their eyes are glowing golden it's an option in the character select screen it's basically cleansed the fell from their system, which you'd think that that's a good thing. But what has it replaced it with? Because between the stuff in the Maghar scenario and what we saw with Zira in, well, what she tried to do to Illidan, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It makes me wonder, is there some longer game going on with the Blood Elves that we just haven't been paying attention to? And maybe that's just me going off on my whole conspiracy theorist tangent or what have you. But I think it's weird. It's just weird that nobody has noticed this or looked at it and went, you know, maybe something's a little off here. You know what I mean? No, I can understand what you're saying. I don't necessarily think it's off because it's the way the light... Even before we got that scenario, which, by yeah. the way, I still argue is just from the Magar perspective. Yeah, don't I know. Get to hear and what and the light I, side, I feel know. the same way. Don't get but me wrong. If you go back to um, the, uh, the Ashbringer comic or the Death Knight uh, starting zone, there, when, when, uh, when the Death Knights show up at, at Light's Hope, and Tyrion like says Tyrion is talking to Darian after the Death Knights have failed. He says the light will tear you apart, Darian. The light has never been peaceful. 
the, the the first time you know every every group that has paladins has developed paladins to use the light in war and they've yeah, all I mean, come these up were with different warriors who were taught priest powers so that they could yeah. fight as these like holy imbued warriors but, of the but light look at it, but look at it like this way draenei have those they didn't develop it that way the first thing the Torin do when they discover that they can, you know, the Torin are like thinking about the light and thinking about the sun. And what do they do? Boom. Immediately put on heavy armor, start killing things with the light. The the blood elves, when they get a Naru to, to siphon forth, they get priests powers back, but they also immediately come up with blood knights. It's the first thing they think to do with the light. The light well, is aggressive. And, and keep in mind too, that the blood elves were also working. I mean, they had the entirety of, Oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of it. The southern part of the Blood Elf starting zone. The, the one ghost where, lands? Yeah, the ghost lands. They had the ghost lands and the remnants of the Scourge to deal with. So, oh yeah, but it's not, my point isn't that... My point is just that the light lends itself to this use. Everybody who's... you know, like, Pretty much everybody who gets the light gets paladins at this point. And they, they almost immediately developed like martial things. And look at like what's I, I keep coming back to this guy. I'm going to keep coming back to him forever because he always fascinates me. Zeliac. Oh, yeah. Zeliac is Scourge. He's not just he's not forsaken. He is he's under scourge. the direct control of the Lich King. And he can use the light. And he, the light does not say no to him. It does not oppose him while he is being, you know, a tool of the Lich King. It is letting him blast people with its power. And think about it. We know the light has a will. We know that it has a purpose. We know Do that it does the Lich things. King was trying to make another Zeliac out of Bolvar? Uh, it's possible. But then again, the Lich King had reasons to think a paladin would make a good servant, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but think about it from the, from that perspective. The light's goals can be compatible with the Scourge's goals. The light, whatever the light is doing, whatever its goal is, it's always been one that allows for unchecked aggression. Even before we'd ever heard of Zira, the light doesn't... Paladins can fight each other, and they have done so. Uh, Tyrion Fordering himself is a result of, you know, he, he got into a fight with other paladins because he believed what he was doing was right. They, and they tried to strip him of, the, of his power, and the light didn't leave him. The light didn't care what they thought of it. There's, there is a lot to what you're saying. Like, if you think about what you're saying about how the light it could be changing the blood elves, or at least some of them, think about how aggressive Liadrin is. Yeah. Well, and see, that's the thing, is, like, everybody always assumes, ugh, void is bad, light is good. But the thing is, is, like, they're kind of two faces of the same coin, and maybe we should be taking a more critical look at the light and what it's actually doing. I don't think you can argue the void isn't bad. Like straight up, the void it, is. It, often yeah, for, I'm not it, saying it, the, the, the void's not bad. It's well, I, no, actually, the void isn't good or bad. It just exists, and the light it isn't good or bad. It just exists. Yeah. It's it's the manner in which these way. two elements interact with us that I'm kind or of how questioning. how we interact with them. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, I was just playing. I've been playing a lot of Dragon Age two lately. Um, that I didn't mention before because you know, <laughs> I love that I game so much. But there's a part where Fenris says to to Meryl, if you bring Fenris up to the mountain, he says to Meryl, "Oh yeah, it's it's like oh don't worry about that tiger. It's it's going to eat you, but oh it's just in its nature. That's the void drives people insane. It's not trying to drive people insane. It doesn't care if do you go insane. It's just people can't comprehend it. Yeah, you go insane because that's what the because void is. You can't and, comprehend all that it is." Yeah. And if you 
we we say this and we never even think about the fact that the light is its equal and opposite force yeah and just as too much you know the, the, the thousand truths maybe seeing too many possible truths is mind destroying is seeing only one any less there or is only one way forward think yeah. about think about if you if you approach every situation with there is only one way forward you turn into There's odin only... yeah <laughs> you do and think about him he's got light he's got undead servants that channel the light and uh, no, I was more talking along the terms of Odin being very much set in. There is one way forward and you yeah, shouldn't and... make these aspects. You shouldn't make these dragon aspects because that's not the cur- that you're bringing them in to do our job. And w- nobody is better than us. it's just us. And then he went through all of that nonsense with Helia, with the Halls of Valor, all of it. It was very much because he was right and he knew he was right. And think about how he approaches that. Yeah. He does have servants who channel the light and he are undead. He he kills them, raises them from undead from death as servants, and gives them the power of the light. We've got people and in the, the chat channel okay who are this. saying Sargeras. And yeah, that's another example. Sargeras was very much of the mind that there was one correct thing to do. And he would do whatever was necessary to do that one thing that was correct. One thing, one truth. It's kind of along the same lines. I just find it interesting that, particularly in the case of the Blood Elves, like this is something that's been going on with the Blood Elves since the end of Burning Crusade. Since, like I said, Velen came in and said, here, have this rock. I'm going to put it in your well. Poof, now you're all better. But are they really all better? You know what I mean? Or have they traded one addiction for another? Have they traded one for another? And if it's physiologically changing them in the way that the fell changed them, is it any better? Oh my god. Possibly this (laughs) is a discussion we should have had on Lore Watch because you just triggered a thing in me. I know. This is a thing that has been sitting in me, Rossi, for years. (laughs) Think about Velen for a moment, though. Yeah, I know. Velen, here's the thing. Velen has an insulator. That mm-hmm. Urel doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Velen sees possible alternate futures. Yes. So he doesn't see one true path because he's constantly seeing, and that's why the that's why the Naru needed him. Yep. They can't do that. No. He has an ability they lack. Yep. And Urel doesn't have it. No. <laughs> so she could be misled or even just wrong because she doesn't see all the other possibilities by na- by her nature. She's strong. She's forthright. She's determined. If you tell her there's only one way through this, then she will take that path. Velen is not a part of the void. No. But Velen sees those possibilities as visions, and he doesn't know which ones are correct. They're just visions of different possibilities. Um, but that's an insulator because he can't be, he's not going to become fanatical. No. He's always going to have. He's always going to be like, "Oh, I've seen this." He's always he's, going to have these. He's been know, tempered by the it, light. So it, that's interesting to think about. I know, right? Okay, so anyway, <laughs> I know we went completely off topic there. You I should just, listen I, to, to, to Laura Watch because this is what we do the entire time. I just I feel like, <laughs> yeah, this is like a mini Laura Watch. I'm sorry, folks. Okay, let's go ahead and answer one more email here. We've got one that isn't related to Laura at all. <laughs> I swear. 
Uh, this one is from McCormick on Warm Rest Accord, who says, Hey, watchers, I'm catching up on old episodes, and another listener's question sparked an idea. The question was about Blizzard allowing multiple hearthstones as a way to streamline travel and soften the blow of removing old portals. That led me down a mental rabbit hole, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. What if Blizzard in- introduced craftable hearthstones to have in addition to your existing hearthstones? What if they required two professions, like jewel crafting to craft an inert stone and enchanting to activate it, or you could sacrifice bag space and gold to have as many as you wanted, maybe on a linked cooldown, or tailors could craft a bag to like hold them, or they could fit into gear gem slots. Uh, there's a whole bunch of just different possibilities that he goes through here, but I think what we're going to go like concentrate on here is, do craftable hearthstones sound like a good idea? What do you uh, think? I'd probably limit it more than some of these so he's getting kind of nuts with some of these suggestions, like the idea of having a hearthstone for absolutely every single inn and like location in the world. So you'd end up like 50 or a hundred or a thousand. I think that's kind of nuts, but I don't mind the idea. I think it would be kind of cool if you could have, I mean, especially if they are on a shared time with, uh, with other hearthstones that makes them much less abusive. Uh, but They're that also makes them, yeah. I, I definitely think you should be able to like. Right now, I've got three Hearthstones. I've got one to my Garrison, and I've got one to Dalaran, and they're both on separate cooldowns. And I don't feel like that's a problem. Like I don't, I don't. And then you have degree, your Hearthstone, Hearthstone. Yeah, and my Hearthstone that can set wherever I want. I wouldn't mind if you could have like if you could craft a few others. Like I don't think you should be able to craft thirty of them or whatever, and just be constantly teleporting everywhere you want to go. But I would be okay with you saying, say you could tell you could make two more. You could make one that you set to like one location that you could, you know, consider really important for whatever reason. Like maybe there's just a capital city hearthstone one that just takes you to Stormwind or Orgrimmar. So you don't have to set your hearthstone there. You could just always have a hearthstone that leads to those cities. And then one hearthstone that just leads to like some place that's important to you. And you could, it would just be, you'd craft it. Maybe there's ways to play with this. I really um. liked in Warlords, and keep in mind that I do talk critically about Warlords a lot, but there was still some good stuff in that expansion, and one of them was the expansion-specific Hearthstone. That Garrison Hearthstone was invaluable, and it was really, really cool, and I liked that they had carried that idea over into Legion, and that we got one specifically for Dalaran. It it just it made it really handy, particularly since we had like a home base and then we had the rest of the world. So we had a hearthstone for our home base and then we had a hearthstone that we could use for wherever we were in the world when we were traveling and we weren't in the home base. And I thought that was great. Um I wish that they'd keep doing that. And I wish that they would introduce it for prior expansions. It would be cool if we had a Burning Crusade expansion Hearthstone that just took you to Shatrath. It would be cool if we had a Wrath Hearthstone that just took you to Wrath Dalaran. It didn't take you anywhere else in the world. It just took you to that location. But the thing is, is when you talk about that, you have to look at the fact that we already have portals that go to these places. So wouldn't it be kind of negating the use of the portals? And that's why I feel like if you if you had one for Wrath, yeah, it shouldn't go to Dalaran. It should go like up to the the um, Argent tournament. Yeah, an Argent like, tournament a, teleport pick a, thing. Pick an important place in the expansion that it would make sense for you to want a hearth to, and make the, that something you could craft. Yeah. So you could craft this. You could craft a Hearthstone to the Argent tournament, 
and you could like imagine if you made it sellable like they could put it in the auction house it's a little extra utility like i'd love to have that just for the uh ability to go over to alduar from it that would be cool imagine if you could but imagine if you could craft like a hearthstone that went to any one place in in wrath and you just have it and that'd be your extra little hearthstone and you could only have a few of them you could only have a collection of say five of the special hearthstone so you'd have to pick where those places went but I, I do feel like there's something here. Like I feel like there's an idea here. I feel like if they wanted to make craftable hearthstones, they okay, when they messed around with the portals and they consolidated all of the portals, when they did that, they expressed an interest in kind of limiting all of this instant travel that we've been doing where we could just blip wherever in the world without mm-hmm. actually like, you know, traveling there. That seems to be on their priority list. So I think that they wouldn't really be interested in introducing a new element that lets us do just that. I don't no, I don't true. see them Absolutely. being interested in that. But this is where I'm gonna sidetrack just a little bit. All of the new holidays that they've been introducing this year, not not holidays, all of the new items that they've been introducing in holidays this year. They've had themed hearthstones that have come along with them where it has like a specific like a new and shiny cosmetic effect when you kick in the hearthstone that's the kind of thing i could see them making a craftable item a cosmetic item make it a make it look really cool maybe make one that's like jewel crafting themed so you know when you pop in the effect it's like some kind of effect with that or one with mining or one with you know with the various professions that like looks cool but it's you know, tied to that particular profession. You know what you just made me think of? What? Imagine a Hearthstone which, instead of hearthing you, ripped one of those Legion portals for you to step through. Yeah. Or did one of the did like there's a, um uh, there's there's one Hearthstone that you could get from the trading card game that was like a Netherstorm portal, and it opened up one of those ethereal portals. Have you seen that one? Not a no, lot of people have it anymore. Um, but it, it like pops open one of those ethereal portals around you while you're hearthing. It's really cool looking. But that kind of an effect. Is that what you're talking about? I had not seen that one. But yeah, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Or I mean, even something as simple as like, imagine like a hearthstone that when you used it, you got like a, a different posture. Like that's the cool thing about the, the winter one is that you, you're doing you, the spell cast is completely different. It looks yeah. different. So I don't know. But I do feel like there's an idea here. I just don't know exactly how to make it work. I mean, engineers have, like, the wormhole generator things that'll take you to, like, a random location or whatever, and that's super fun, but wouldn't it be Ooh, cool? Ooh, a roulette like, wheel hearthstone. <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if you... Well, I mean, that's what the wormhole generator is, really. Yeah, but you could just averagely... It is a roulette wheel. You've got a little, little roulette and you just spin it, and it's like, okay, where are we going? You never know where you're going to end up when you, when you click the thing, unless it's, like wormhole generator ever look then you're going to end up in ever look most of the time unless you end up high in the sky above ever look and that's bad isn't that like the one that also has like it can have like you you teleport there but you're your own evil twin yeah or you're you're an orc lady instead of a, a night elf yeah. guy because it just that's what it yeah did. there's a bunch of different that's ones kind of cool that do different things like that too. i used to have fun with that all the time um it was it's it's just one of those engineering trinkets it's a lot of fun but yeah you get a debuff that says that you're the evil twin it doesn't do anything else you just have that debuff <laughs> that's it <laughs> but i mean if it was something cosmetic like that i could see them creating craftable hearthstones along those lines because they are giving us cosmetic hearthstones already like it's something that they're playing around with with the holiday stuff so why not do like you know 
ones that are based on professions or whatever. That would be cool. I'd be cool with that. Um, but I don't really see them allowing people multiple hearthstones bound to multiple locations because you run into the same problem that they were running into with the whole portal thing. They don't want people to be able to blip over all around the world as easily as they have been. Yeah, that is definitely something they've been working to curtail. So in a world where you want people to travel and explore the world, you kind of have to limit that. But I do think there's something to be said for like specific location or just cool cosmetic or even something that kind of mixes the two. Like imagine a Hearthstone that did it, it, it didn't like randomly teleport you places, but it was an all in one Hearthstone. Like you could craft this Hearthstone and it replaces all the current Hearthstones you have in your bags and it will go to all those places. So you could go to your garrison or to Dalaran or to your, you know, your set location just on that one hearthstone. So, you so like when you click it, it bags. opens up the different options for you? Yeah. You Do you wish to go to your garrison? Do you wish to go to Dalaran? Do you wish to go to, you know, the loca- you know your set location? You know, and that could be really cool. I just and see it, it like the poison toolbar because I put the poison thing on my toolbar. And when I click it, it pops up like it's just a pop-up window with all of the different yeah. poisons. And you can select the one that you want. It would be like that. Yeah. There's ways to do it. And it would it wouldn't be giving you any more ability to zip around, but it would make it so you could get back those two bag slots and that'd be cool. And then like, since you've got like the special hearthstones, like it could even replace those. So you could use the, the, the winter hearthstone and it just gives you the winter effect, even though you're just using your one all in one hearthstone. So there's, there's ideas for this. I, I don't, I mean, I'm, I've, I'm, we're literally just sitting talking about it now. I've just started thinking about it this minute so i'm sure that somebody who's a game developer could spend some time and come up with some cool ideas for it i think it's interesting i think that the idea of the hearthstone i I like i've really i've mentioned this before that i really like what they're doing with the holidays this year where they're giving us those you know cosmetically different hearthstones i think that's a cool new idea for a fun holiday perk that we haven't really had before but yeah I, i feel like yeah they could do more with it without oversaturating the market as it were um, and to wrap all of that up, I'm still going to say, hey, we need player housing. Anyway. <laughs> a hearthstone that turns into like an in- a big mansion. <laughs> it takes you to your, to your player housing where you can customize everything with the new profession that lets you build furniture. Anyway, <laughs> I'm still hung up on that. But uh, we're running out of time here, so that's going to go ahead and wrap us up for emails and for the show. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you, Anne. Uh, this is, again, the Blizzard Watch podcast, so if you've got an email for the podcast, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of blizzard watch so we know what's for the show guys thank you so much for listening to the show each and every week while ann and i natter on about you know world of warcraft or the naru are evil no wait the naru being potentially evil or you know what have you we're, we're a talkative duo so thanks for being here for all of it we, we really love that you show up for it and we're going to be here next week doing it again Thank you.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.